call me Ishmael. Some months ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse, and nothing particular to interest me on Netflix, I thought I would mess about a little and see if I could carve my nephew the notorious white whale. Arg, arg. Opening lines of Moby Dick, in parentheses, special made-up edition. The story is going to be better than the whale I end up carving, um, I think was the ultimate outcome there. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never really carved anything before. I was making this um, as much for my nephew as I was just for the hell of it and to see if I could successfully create something out of a block of wood. Every truly creative person seems to have a side hustle. And if you go deep with that project or the person or people behind them, you can get to some amazing places. So in these episodes, we'll explore media and marketing, coffee and food, comedy and entrepreneurship. You name it, we're out to uncover something surprising or profound each time. And quite honestly, we just get to nerd out together with others who love all the emotional and intellectual pieces that make up a larger creative project. The voice you just heard earlier belongs to Eric Devaney. He's a writer and a content marketer, and I think you'll agree, one of the most creative out there. And his side project is kind of weird, at least at first glance anyway. But that's how side hustles should be, right? Weird, silly, done for their own sake. Eric's project was a whale that he carved out of wood as well as an article that he wrote on Medium about the experience. And it was a hilarious, meandering, really well-done article. And although this project sounds simple enough, it took Eric to some bizarre, hilarious, and emotional places. You know, at work, even if it's the coolest thing ever that you're working on, it's still work. There's still usually a deadline. There's still someone that's going to give you feedback on it and you have all that to deal with. And, and that's, that's why it's work. With a side project, um, there are, are no deadlines, really, except for the ones you set for yourselves. Um, you're not going to get any feedback unless you ask for it. The whole point is you're not creating something because you have to. You're creating it because you just want to and because yeah. it's fun. Yeah. So you carve this whale toy for your nephew, right? So Okay, so describe the whale. So what the whale started out as was a small uh, rectangle of wood. And, you know, I was, I was looking for kind of my next side project. I always like to have something on the side. So when I get home from work at night, on the weekends, I am not just sitting around watching Netflix. I mean, I usually am doing that too. But I like to have an activity while I'm sitting around watching Netflix uh, to keep me occupied. Well, so why? So you make stuff all day long. You write for the HubSpot blog and you design things and you're basically creating on the internet all day, every day. Why not just come home and like completely shut off your brain and just absorb yourself on a, on a screen somewhere? You know, I think I think I do, do do that for a good chunk of time. I do certainly like just veg out and totally but i think for a lot of people in doing creative work whether they're like in marketing doing creative work they're at a tech company doing this creative work or they are actual like artists who do this for a living and like they are getting paid to create beautiful things um you know some of us just have this kind of innate urge to just make stuff or mess with stuff 
Um, and I'm sure my wife could tell you that that's um, a good thing, but maybe also sometimes like a little bit annoying that you're like getting wood chips all over the floor and all over the couch, and it's <laughs> and all, all over mess. the cats and all over the oh god, that's that's a whole could be a whole other story about living with two cats as you're trying to carve something out of wood um, on your couch while watching Netflix. And you know, for this particular piece, um, you know, the inspiration was. Hey, I have a nephew. That's that's pretty awesome. I never had one of these before. Um, <laughs> what am I going to get this kid for his first birthday, which is coming up in at the time it was well almost a year away? Um, but my sister had decked out this kid's room with everything whales. Like there's a big whale on the wall. They got whale pajamas. Like whale was this kid's spirit animal from the beginning. You know, it, it just came together that as I'm thinking, all right, what's my next like side project going to be? You know, I have like these, this wood I could carve and I've been thinking about doing more wood carving. Like I've been interested in it. And then it dawned on me like, that's it. I'm going to carve a whale for my nephew. Just seemed of co- like, of course I am. It just seemed like there was no other option at the time. That's what I was going to do. So what, what are the materials you start with? Um, materials I started with. So at first it was the block of wood and a set of wood carving knives. But those knives didn't work. So he ordered a basic set on Amazon and drew an outline on the piece of wood to carve it into a whale. And as I was chipping away these little chips of wood, this is this is going to take me like years to do it this way. Like I need to get a saw and like make some big cuts just to get like the rough shape ready. Um, so that was my first trip to the hardware store was to go pick up uh, a coping saw so I could actually cut out like some big chunks and in the meandering bizarre wonderful process that is any side project you find certain recurring themes or tropes eric's was the hardware store specifically it was the clerk who would squint at him and be skeptical of him every time he walked in time and time again in this project eric would hit a snag and trudge over to the same store it happens so often that in the article he wrote the clerk actually becomes a major character in the story, a sort of straight man to Eric's internal crazy monologue. I think what I was really trying to show is that when you do a side project like this, like you aren't just, well, I mean, for a long, long chunk of the time, you are just sitting there doing it on your couch, carving a whale. But it like inevitably something would come up and I would need something like I would realize crap this is what I'm missing. I need to go get that. And so that resulted in like several stores, you know, several trips to this one hardware store down the street. And first it was the saw. Later I was there for sandpaper. Then I was there for like, I was finding like the finish that I was going to put on this thing. Um, Like I ended up going there and buying, I found this stuff. It was perfect. It was called toy makers finish. It was this non-toxic, you know, like clear coat that you could put over it. And I just remember the guy giving me this look like, why the hell? Like, I'm sure not many people go to the hardware store and buy toy makers finish like off the shelf. So the guy just gave me one of those looks like, what? And then asked, like straight up asked me, what? Like, what are you using this for? Like, what? And I told him, I'm I'm making a whale. I need this toy makers finish. Like, I can't give my nephew like a whale with toxic like chemicals on it. Pretty sure my sister would be upset about that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah that so was that was it. During the medium post, you write Captain's Log, which is when you kind of you you have you move through two different like narratives in the same article. You talk about your process through your own thoughts, but then you give us the facts of the case. You talk about like at this point I was doing this thing, and here are the tools I was using. 
one of the, my favorite captain's logs in general, but certainly to paint a picture of the store clerk and your kind of relationship and you plotting back to the store kind of very dutifully and all that was July the 13th. You wrote, I enter the store. The bearded man acknowledges me with a smirk, which I think is a sentence that's just like so telling of like your repeat, you know, you're kind of just like tripping forward during this process. Can I help you find anything? He asks. Yes, some steel wool, I reply. I need to buff my whale. I, I think I lost it when I was reading it. There's a number of times I lost it during this, but that was one of the best, one of the best moments of this whole article. Like putting yourself out there and writing something like that. I mean, there's obviously that double entendre part, mm-hmm. but just the way you let it hang. You don't write, I replied a second time. You, you break up the sentence. You could have very easily written, yes, some steel wool. I need to buff my whale. You wrote, yes, some steel wool. I reply, paragraph break, single line quote, kind of standing there as this tiny little thing, but like such a powerful thing. I need to buff my whale. Now, okay, really think back to the process of writing it. Like, obviously, you're wired a certain way to come up with the joke. The way you structured it, though, there's intention behind that, right? That wasn't just happenstance. I'm going to just hit a, hit an enter and write the next line, right? There's intention to deliver the humor, no? Oh, yeah. that I mean, that was totally intentional. That was, you know, I took that real event that did happen, you know, at that hardware store looking for steel. I realized after I had applied that clear coat of non-toxic finish that that wasn't I wasn't done yet I still had to like buff it with that's what I read online you got to buff it with some stuff to make sure it all comes down and yeah I didn't I feel like when you're describing a process it can be really boring like if you are just word for word describing what you did like that's I wouldn't find it enjoyable to read and I didn't find it enjoyable to write so I like how can I like, what, how can I spin this a little bit and make it kind of more reflective of, of how I was feeling at the time? And I was kind of feeling like a weirdo, like this guy who keeps going back to this hardware store because he's carving a whale out of wood. Like, what did, he, what did these people at the hardware store think of me? I have no idea. Um, I didn't at any point. I never told them I was doing it for my nephew. I just said, no, I'm, I'm making a whale. Like, it's, it's for me. It's, As one does course making a whale it's saturday what are you what are you doing <laughs> i'm gonna buff my whale it's saturday i'm gonna go home and buff my whale i just got married you know congratulations by the way oh thank you so that but the line the way you said you broke it out onto a second line nobody's listening to this anymore by the way that's fine so, so but this the, it's it's intentional the way you structured that thing and i almost felt like when i was reading it it's like when a writer can read another writer's process there's like i'm appreciating it on two levels Mm -hmm. there's the actual delivery of it which anybody can appreciate but then if you know kind of like putting an x-ray over it i can almost see your thought process it's almost like one of those like like a terrible activity of the olympics like figure skating or something where the judge is like oh and he's done it oh he's done the triple barrel axle whale curve and it's like i don't know what that is clearly the guy appreciates the craft behind it though Right, and it's like the excitement's coming through. So he did something special. So that—that's to me, as someone who likes to write in a sarcastic way, like mm-hmm. that one little moment. You have so many words. It's like a two thousand word post, and that one thing, hitting a paragraph break, having the pause, having the wherewithal to write. I replied to break it up, and then putting, I need to buff my whale. And it was also the moment. Like I could picture you like throwing up your hands. Like I'm back at this freaking store, and just giving up all pretense that I'm gonna say that. I don't know. There's there's something magical in there.
why write such a thing after carving the whale itself? Sure. Um, it really dawned on me, I think, during the process of that, um, that the I, like the item, the actual physical thing that I was making, was taking a, a back seat to the process of actually making it. One of the things I noticed reading the medium piece was this insane, and I've done this about you forever, but like you have this awesome tone of voice when you write. I mean, when you when you banter too, but like it definitely comes through in this really crystallized way when you write. So, a couple of the passages that actually stood out to me, you know, you wrote first. You basically talk about creating the whale and like you know you had these concerns that your nephew was going to join a pod of whales when he got a little bit older because your like sister had just basically predetermined this is his spirit animal mm-hmm. and and then you wrote this thing you wrote my intrepid wood carving project began in earnest in january of 2015 approximately eight months before the little aquatic mammals first birthday and it's like little moments of that. The aquatic is parenthetical. You put it to the side. You use the word mammal instead of just saying my nephews. How did you get that tone of voice? Like, how do you write like that? I really don't know. That's a, that's a great question. I think part of it actually just stems from my family and like writing this post about my nephew. Um, so my sister's younger or sister's baby younger. Yeah, of course. <laughs> younger baby. Younger. Go figure. And yeah, we've always um, kind of joked with each other and been very sarcastic and the whole family just has a very kind of is make fun of each other, like is maybe the most accurate way to put it, but we've never taken ourselves too seriously. And I think as I was writing this piece, I just kind of had all those like family thoughts in mind. Like I was writing this piece for like my aunts and uncles thinking they're going to read it or my parents and you know, how, if I was going to talk to them about this, how would I sound like what kind of, you know, humor, sense of humor would I have? And it, this is it. This is the family. Like, this is how a family discussion would go. We would, my dad would just bullshit some quote from Moby Dick, not have any idea what the real words were, but then say <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, this is exactly how it goes because yes, I learned that a long time ago. I'm but very- why, but why, I mean, you're writing to your family here. I know it's a side project, so you kind of have liberty to do whatever you want, but like, you know, conventional wisdom, if there is such a thing on the internet, Mm -hmm. would state that you should write to the, you know, native audience of that platform, you should write to Medium, like, Mm -hmm. you know, write to a persona, write to these like broad sweeping uh, generalizations of of what humans are, and you're talking about like your dad and your, your sister. You know, is it important? Should you write for one person or should you write for this general crowd that represents the people you're trying to reach sure so i think the big the big differentiating factor here is that this was a side project this was something that i came up with on my own decided you know what i'm gonna do this and then as i was doing i thought you know what i'm gonna write about this because i feel like it and i think it would be like a fun story for me to tell and at no point did i think oh you know what i'm gonna write this with the hopes that like a million people read my story and recommend it and it gets shared and it goes viral. Like that was nowhere near, like which just wasn't in my mind at all. Like that wasn't where the writing was coming from. Whereas, how, how did the post do? Um, oh, not like not well. I mean, it, it got a few, you know, recommends on, on medium, but it didn't, it didn't, you know, take off or become like a top story or a feature story or anything. Um, but, 
that being said, like I was pumped to see that my mom was like sharing it on Facebook about her friends was like, <laughs> Oh my God, you got to read like what my son wrote about like my grandson. And so, <laughs> and like my sister did the same thing. Like, Oh, you have to really like my brother is so amazing and made this whale for my son. And he wrote this thing. And like, that was the, you know, those two, I think shares were the most, you know, excited I got in terms of how much buzz it was generating. Just getting that feedback from my family saying like, Oh my God, thank you so much for doing this like cool thing. We love it. Um, but you're going for those same reactions when you write for, uh, you know, an audience you're trying to convert for a business purpose, right? I mean, you want that emotional, like, oh my gosh statement or, you know, you, the exclamation point sentences, not just the periods, even if they're both nice, you want the, mo- the emotion to come through. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like you know, I would challenge this conventional wisdom that you have to write for this like broad swath of humanity. And I think... I think really good journalists think of one person that represents those those people. Like they don't come up with a persona, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be a falsified, if if built on facts, you know, single person. I think what a really good journalist, writer, creator, whatever you want to call it, does is they come up with one single person that, that fits that audience that they actually know. You know, it's a lot easier for you and I to sit here and riff because we know each other than it would be if you were a complete stranger because I kind of know what you're like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, th- does that resonate at all for someone who writes for, you know, an audience of whatever, 2 million visitors a month on the HubSpot blog? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you make a really good point there. And, and actually, just let's just, cut, let's just drop all the pretense. I want to call BS here. At what point, <laughs> you're, when you're writing for this giant blog, you're not thinking of, who am I writing to? You're just saying, I want to write, and I want this to be good, right? Like, when I, when I write for a large blog's audience, I'm not trying to figure out who they are beyond knowing the definition of the audience. I'm just saying, I'm a writer, and I think this is my voice, and I want to write. Mm-hmm. Is, is that how you feel? Yes. Um, yes and no. Well, I think what happens, like, when you're writing for, like, your company's blog, or, you know, a, a blog where you have a specific goal in mind, and you're trying to generate leads, or you're trying to drive traffic, um, the topic that you're given or the topic you come up with is very important. Like you want to make sure that what you're talking about is aligned with that audience you're targeting, but how you talk about it is kind of up in the air still. So if, you know, I'm writing a story about the future of marketing and that, you know, is kind of boring, maybe, well, maybe I make a reference about like, interstellar and how you could somehow travel the future and then i design a rocket ship and put the rocket ship in the post and use that as kind of like a visual metaphor and there i think is an example of taking like this work you know related thing that has a very fine focus in terms of audience and the what is still like what we're doing is clear we're trying to get views we're trying to generate leads how we do that and like how you write about the topic i think there's a lot of room there um to just tease things out and that's like i'm not in the business of giving people advice but you know i started out as a freelance writer just writing about the absolute most boringest like random topics like we won't even get into them but i think what saved me from going crazy was knowing that, hey, I can like have a little fun with this. I can make a little joke here or there. I can try to find like a way to spin this so that it interests me so I'm not losing my mind as I'm writing about this potentially super boring thing. Got it. I think I think uh, what you're dancing around is there's kind of a kernel of you in everything you're writing, and you might let more of it out. Um, if it's a personal project, then perhaps you would in a... 
uh, a work related project. I mean, you're gonna sure. you're, if you're if you're a writer that writes in a very conversational, colloquial way, you're not all of a sudden gonna write in a very stuffy kind of old school organizational way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a great like misnomer in the marketing community in digital media at large is like pick some audience and then automatically write like they want to hear it. It's like, no, you kind of have to go through the experience of you to produce a piece. And you know, the medium post that you did for the, the white whale has got so much Eric personality in it. And maybe you scale that back a little bit, but I feel like even when I read your content in a corporate setting, I could tell it's you. So you can, you can't really separate who you are from the piece you're creating. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I, and you know, I don't think you should, I think that's, you know, especially in the world of corporate content and, you know, people talk about this idea of um, like content overload, like there's just too much stuff out there and like, why are you still creating stuff? Like it's awful. I think um, the way you can at least help make that stuff a little more interesting, like a little spicier is to like throw your own personality in there. I think that makes uh, total sense. People, you know, come to your business blog to learn things, but you can also entertain them at the same time. You don't have to just stick to that super bland, like gray tone of just boring business monotone speak. Right. Now with any project, even one where you're the boss, there are inevitably some trade-offs that you have to make. I mean, take writing as an example. There's a reason colleges rarely give A pluses for English degrees. You can always improve your writing. There's no way to get that perfect score. It's pretty subjective. So you have to make a call. Do something or don't do it. Keep going or stop. Add something or omit it. And all these mini decisions help shape the final project. I mean, any project is just as much about what you don't do as what you do. So how did all of Eric's mini decisions on this journey to create the whale affect the final product? So to answer that question, I will bring up a different like event that happened. I finished that whale. I think I started in January. I finished it pretty like quickly. Like I had months to go before his birthday and I was at the stage actually before I had got the Toy Makers finished. I had gotten to a point where I had carved it. I had sanded it and said, all right, you know what? I'm done. I've been doing this thing for a couple of months. Let me like find something to coat this with. And that's going to be that. Then I'm going to stick it on a shelf and I'll give it to him on his birthday. Like not a problem. I ended up just grabbing something off the hardware. The first time I went and it was like this lacquer and I thought, oh yeah, lacquer. Like I've heard of that. That goes on wood. I've, I've heard that before that like this will be perfect. So I coated this in, in, as I was coating it, I go, oh no, this isn't right. Like it's, this is black. Like this is, this is supposed to be a white whale. The, the title of my story is the white, it's about a white whale, not a, not a black whale. And I, like I covered this thing in this, in this finish and it, I, I ruined it. So Eric did what any good creative person does in these moments. He freaked the hell out. He had agonized over this project. He had gotten new equipment. He'd spent hours upon hours after work on this one thing. And he'd built it up in his mind. He, he could see it at that point. And then just one decision along the way, among all these other decisions, totally ruined it. You know, didn't even, at some point I, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to give this to my nephew. Like, I'm done with this project. Screw, like, screw that. This is it. I'm done. Months go by. Eric leaves the whale sitting on the shelf until one day his family visits and sees it sitting there. 
I said, oh, this is like the whale I was going to do for my nephew. But, you know, I completely screwed it up. Like, look, I got all this stuff on it. And it was my dad said, well, why don't you just, you can just sand that off. Like, that's, like, this isn't a big deal. Like, just sand it off and then you can, you'll be back to like square one. You can finish it however you want. And then it dawned on me like, oh, oh yeah, like maybe, maybe I kind of gave up on this like project a little too easy. <laughs> like I had gotten like, I had made the whale basically. I had just put the wrong finish on it. And from there, that was like one of the big setbacks in this whole process. But from there, I was kind of re-energized like, oh yeah, like it was kind of stupid that I would stop working on it and give up. Like that's, you know. I don't, I don't think it's stupid though. I feel like no matter what you're creating, people reach that point. Mm-hmm. Like I've done that all the time where I'm like writing this thing and I'm super passionate about it, whether it's an essay or it's a, you know, something designed or an audio file, if it's a podcast or whatever. And you reach that point where you're like, your excitement just kind of wanes and you do yep. one little thing as a mistake and you're like, screw all of it. Like all of it is dead. Eric fell victim to that. I mean, don't we all? But he kept trudging. He went back to that damn hardware store with that damn clerk and his damn beard and that damn smirk. And Eric kept going. He buffed out the lacquer. When I become a life coach, that will be my my motto. (laughs) Keep calm and buff the whale. (laughs) Eric eventually finished the project. After all those trials and tribulations, and yes, that bearded clerk shooting him knowing looks every time he entered the hardware store... Eric had finally completed this brand new toy for his brand new nephew. And it all ends well, right? Right? Oh, God, right? I need, I think I need to tell this part of the story. I am not disappointed by it at all. I'm, I think this was like the perfect end to this story about uh, me almost taking a year to carve this whale for no reason and kind of going through this, you know, really arduous no that's the wrong word it wasn't that bad like i was i was sitting around carving a whale but just all like the little hiccups and going to the hardware store and getting all the stuff and then when it came to the day it is his birthday my nephew's birthday um my fiance and i we weren't we this was weeks two weeks before we were getting married um we go uh we're going to my sister's house uh for my nephew's birthday for his his one year birthday and we are wrapping presents for him. And at some point, um, my wife goes over, my now wife goes over to get the whale off the shelf. She's going to wrap it up and bring it over and drops it on the ground. Oh, my God. And its tail breaks off. Oh, no. In like a nice clean break. Like it just snaps off. And she immediately bursts into tears. <gasps> Uh, like falls to the ground to like lift up this whale corpse <laughs> now like in her hands and you know I don't know what to think at the time like I think my mind just kind of murder went was it the for, first? <laughs> yeah, for a few seconds like what the what's the way it's, it's broke like the whale that's and you know I had finished that whale you know it, it was done it had been sitting there for you know several for a couple months like just finished and I had like the one thing that came to mind was of all the days, like you could have broken this. Like it happened on his birthday. Like it could have happened the day before, a week before, two before. It happened on the day we're going to go give it to him finally. Um, and, I, and I think it was just perfect. So that day there was one final trip to the hardware store down the street where I went to get uh, wood glue to glue the thing back together. 
and so we could go present it uh, to my nephew. You're for his you're birthday. you're telling the story. You're smiling. Oh, it's hilarious. I but think this it's... is you put literally days of your life into this project, and then it broke. Sure, and I think and I think what you know, and I can't like I'm still laughing just thinking about how like how funny the whole the whole story ended up being, and I think that was it. You know, I. I created this, I started carving this whale kind of for the hell of it, kind of for fun. And there was never any like pressure on me to do it. Like it was all self-imposed. Like I want to have it ready for his birthday. And it's, it's not like my nephew wanted a whale. He did it, you know, the kid didn't come up and ask me like, oh, Uncle Eric, I really need a a whale carved out of wood for my first birthday. Otherwise, like I'm going to be so like, you know, that didn't happen. It was just me wanting to do it. So you know the fact that it that it break it broke on the on the day of his birthday is just it, there was something poetic about it, and I realized like this, you know, the white whale was this thing, but the story was way more rewarding in the whole in the whole process. Like the you know the end result is this wooden whale that's you know at my sister's house now, sitting on a shelf, and I'm sure they maybe they like it. I don't <laughs> I don't know, but it's you know that's not what you know, my family's going to remember, my family's going to remember the story. And like, that's what I am always going to remember too. Like this whole story from starting with the block of wood (laughs) to my wife, dropping it and breaking it to getting glue and gluing it back together. And then handing them this kind of, you know, little monstrosity that took me several months to create. So that's what you'll remember. Oh, sure. And you know, even if that you know, maybe they'll throw away the whale. I really don't, I really don't care. Like the, the thing that at the ended up being, you know, the end result, you think everyone would be so concerned and like care about the thing, but you know, the thing was just a thing I made. I'm going to make a ton more things in the future. And it's really just those memories or what, you know, I'm going to enjoy and what my family's going to enjoy and remember. Keep trudging, Eric. Keep trudging. And of course, you should keep trudging, keep tinkering, and keep creating and launching all of those side hustles. And in those early morning or late night or weekend hours, when you hit that snag or something inevitably goes wrong, and it will, just remember, keep calm and buff the whale. Now that's unthinkable. Unthinkable.